Hello, RP people, and welcome back to another episode of Role Playing as Smart People, the podcast where we pretend to know what we're talking about when it comes to all things tabletop. My name is Santa, and I'm glad you guys can tune in again. Joining me as always, I have Mr. Finder and Scott W. But actually, damn it, the first time I didn't script my thing, I actually wrote it in for me to screw up. So but flawless. anyway, yeah, I know. I I have a special. We have special guests today. Uh, say hello to Mark Ryan Hagen and Rookie Letaro Neto. Sorry if I butchered that last one. Say hello, everybody. You hello. actually butchered hey. mine. It's Mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you butchered his name way more than my. You <laughs> fucked every name up possible. Oh my god, man. I'm sorry. I'm horrible. I don't care, honestly. I don't care. Like, uh, in fact, and, and when world building, I think you want to have pronounced things in different ways. Because that's, yeah. that's what an accent is, right? An accent. Yeah, you pronouncing things in different ways, and accents and 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 different pronouncing things in different ways is part of a world. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I think it's a great thing, and that's why I don't have pronunciation guides in my games ever. Yeah, yeah, no, never. And people really clamor for that; they really do. It's weird, they do because they want the proper right way. It's <laughs> like with vampire. Well, if, if they pin me down, I go well, Brusha. It's how the country said, and Bruja is right. how they say it, and who's right? Who knows? Okay. Right, yeah. <laughs> why don't you two Bruners find it out and figure it out? <laughs> so, I was going to say, um, you know, before we get into the nitty gritty, uh, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? Uh, Mark, would you like to go first? Uh, Mark Reinhagen. I designed Map of the Masquerade, created World of Darkness, uh, did Werewolf. A game called Ars Magica. I was on the Wizards of Coast Board of Directors, helped bring out, uh, you know, back in the day magic, um, and um, been in the industry a long time, off and on. And uh, last uh, decade or two, I've been doing politics and uh, political organizing in the developing countries all over the world. So, but I'm back to gaming and really happy to, to have done so. It's nice to be back. No, that's fantastic. What about you, Rocky? Well, I'm Rocky Lataro Neto. Uh, I'm from Brazil, and I've been on Lost Lorn Games pretty much since from the start, and mostly I've been a convention manager for over 20 years. But right now I'm, I'm trying to be a writer. At least I, I believe I am one. <laughs> He is one. He's our uh, rules master. So we have a lore master, we have a rules master, and Rocky is our rules master. Basically, uh, he knows more of the rules than I do at this point, and uh, (laughs) that's kind of a frightening position to be in, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I can't trust you with my power. (laughs) It's super handy, though, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing about power, is that knowledge is power, right? And so... If we argue about rules and he goes, actually, Mark, it's not written that way, then he just wins the argument, right? And I'm like, oh, fudge! <laughs> you know? Because he, he's, he's got it down. That's not the way it's written, Mark. I'm like, oh, no, not again. Give <laughs> me 15 minutes, Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas early the frost, I go, well, maybe that's what I thought 10 minutes ago, but now it's the new thing. But you know, now everything's written down and published almost. Well, we actually have a layout done. Like, oh, nice. Not only is our Kickstarter not started, but 
we've actually had our book laid out. It's completely laid out. It's done. Oh shit! Cool. Yeah. Cool. So so we're 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 really focused on getting everything done ahead of time, so that like right after the Kickstarter, you get your PDF, and oh, then shit. during the Kickstarter, we actually have the printing process beginning. So hopefully this time within a month of the Kickstarter um, uh, being done, we'll, we'll be shipping out books. So so everyone else who prints in China, right, you don't get your books for like two years. Yeah. yeah. We're hoping to be yeah. the company that will get your book to you within two months. No promises, but that that is our goal for every single Kickstarter. So That is awesome. Uh, when yeah. do you plan to actually start up your Kickstarter anyways? Uh, the Kickstarter starts on the 22nd of this month, Tuesday, the 22nd. Or is it the 21st? I keep forgetting. 21st is a Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, 20. Oh, good. Wow. Are you uh, uh, a. <laughs> I have a word for it, but I don't want to use it. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Rain Man? Are you the Rain no, Man? <laughs> no, so I just have to know the 20th is uh, it's. Uh, a federal holiday for Juneteenth, and I have surgery uh, okay. that day, so uh, okay. it kind of works out. <laughs> okay, okay. So, just an accident, we'll say. Just an accident. <laughs> the twenty first is when we're uh, doing the Kickstarter, and oh, uh, nice. Yeah, it's been weird because we we kind of you know things are getting so crazy in America. We were originally supposed to do it in February, and um, you know, and just it just got got booted, but. But anyway, we have a bunch of other uh, Kickstarters all waiting to go. So we have, yep. this is just the first of a long line. And um, the next game will be Fang Knight, which will be our vampire, our fantasy, dark fantasy vampire game. And then we have Werewolf after that. So it's basically a whole new kind of uh, look at fantasy where you get to play the monster uh, and not just the heroes. But this first game is very much about the heroes, the hunters, the... You know, the Badlanders the uh, pass for the crown um, by the, the royalty to go out and search for, for baddies and kill them, you know, nice. with a twist or two. Nice. I got, I got actually a question about, uh, like, because I was looking at the thing, actually, while you're talking the Tailspin Spinner Saga, and first thing first, when we were first, uh, when I was talking with Jenna, at the beginning and she's like oh you know we'd love to do something i was like yeah that would be great and i went to the website and i first saw the 5e plus and i was like oh no oh no we bash a lot. But, and I, I and i was like i need to say something but how do i put this so it doesn't make us look like dicks uh, <laughs> i was like we hate that- 5e. Oh, no, i know i i actually until i decided to do a 5e game I thought I had bad opinions about 5e, right? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm an indie guy. I'm like the guy who in the, you know, 90s, I did a non-D20 game that only had, you know, D10. Why D10 for Vampire and the World of Darkness? Because they're the most beautiful dice. They look like a diamonds, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. And, I, and, I, and back then, you know, all these different dice, that's just kid stuff. You know, no, you just have one. Cool. <laughs> You know, and then our sponsor. Well, back to Ruben Old. But 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 the, but the whole point of it is is that I I was doing a bunch of research, and I found out that you know one reason like maybe my I did a game called I Am Zombie that used cards. There's no character sheet. You mean your character using cards, and I thought it was so innovative and so cool 
and I still do, but no one bought it. And it was like, well, because I just was too innovative and people are very traditional right now. <laughs> yes. and, and I realized talking to all these gamers at conventions and online is that, you know, if you have one person in your gaming group and you're playing D&D and you want to switch to a new game and you're like, hey, I want to switch to this new game and they're scared and they don't want to do it. Well, one person can veto you switching to Call of Cthulhu or any game, right? All it takes is one player and you can't switch. And so I thought, well, what if you did an indie game that uses 5e and the D20, but really it's an indie game with dots, like like vampire. Like it has dots. <laughs> yeah. You know, was, you know there's was... no numbers in the character sheet. That's the whole point of the dots, by the way, is there's there's no numbers on the character Told sheet. Told you. I, a that, lot, that's of, what a lot of people are scared by numbers, right? You They're were scared. honestly arguing like discussing about the dots at the end like finder pointed it out he's like hey what, what do you think those five dots are for and i was like oh it kind of looks like the ones from Ma the masquerade and then we started getting to discussion of what they meant and i yeah we were actually wondering that for the past like what month we've been wondering what those <laughs> dots exactly meant look man yeah. i followed mark's work for a long time and <laughs> i told you exactly what they were gonna be and it was like no it's impossible he wouldn't go that route I'm like he's gonna go that route it makes the most <laughs> sense yeah but, but instead of the dots being those are the, how many d10 you roll they're just your bonus that you add to your d20 roll and weirdly <laughs> enough it fits perfectly to the 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 5e system you know it because does, uh, uh, weapons or your skill proficiency you have your your skill dots and then then of course your dots and your abilities are your your bone your ability bonus so it actually worked out beautifully because this is the same scale and and uh and so it, so i think that this way a lot of people who you know would never do something other than d20 because that's they just think that's role-playing right yeah. And the it's beautiful part, it's a way the to beautiful get part of uh, of the dots is that it's more uh, easy to visualize your your skill with something. You know, mm -hmm. you have like a, a visual orientation of how powerful you are in a certain ability, and it's not just a, a random number that's written there that you basically never mentions otherwise when uh, when you are rolling for attack or something like that yeah and, and, and visual is really important people think visually no one wants to admit it but you know like uh you know like a lot of us gamers ttrpg play people are we're, we're more math oriented more you know numbers oriented and so for us it's it's no big deal for me i love numbers but I think for a lot of people, and that's when I first did Vampire, you know, I was actively going for people who had never role-played before. And, you know, I'm really proud that I brought in a whole new element into gaming, not just women, but a whole bunch of gamers who weren't really gamers before. And I think there's a big contingent of people in, in role-playing now who aren't like the same people who were in gaming and tabletop RPG when I was young, yeah. right? Like, like they're, mm -hmm. and, and so, and so I think making it appealing to people who are, you know, who, who maybe are less comfortable with numbers and are more visual, you know, if you can make a character sheet that appeals to them, Hey, that's, that's most people's window into, into the game book, right? They don't, maybe they don't know the game book that well, but they look at their character sheet all the time and the character sheet not, is not scary, 
and they can understand it just by looking at it because it's visual, then that's the one you won the war. Yeah. And that's something that uh, I've tried to convey in some of the, in some of the games that I, I design is like, and I, I've heard it, I heard it from another, another developer and it was, ideally you can take a look at the character sheet and understand how to play the game. And if you can accomplish Absolutely. that, yeah, right. It's, it's, it's amazing. And it's honestly, tough. I've always been surprised that, that, that has more in gaming to make character sheets <laughs> visual. Like, yeah. like, like, like I did it with, with, you know, vampire, but that really hasn't been picked up to make character sheets visual. And I, I, I you know, I've always been amazed that that hasn't been picked up. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny that you mentioned like all that because even when we were first starting this podcast and everything like that, um, I like I I've read a lot of books, but it's really put a lot of things into different lights on how people really design games, how they build the worlds, and how there's usually small little cues in it that people it's not that they disregard but they don't notice it and how much those things can actually impact the game itself um like even like i was saying before with the with your lost lauren uh games with the 5e thing at the at the bottom with the five dots finder if you didn't point that out i wouldn't have caught it at all and it's amazing how those little visual cues as you're saying can really tell you a lot without actually having to tell you anything yeah, yeah, but you didn't notice the five dots, huh? Uh, I well, I saw the five E plus, and I for me, it was just I, I, I literally got nervous. And no, 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 not going there, not going there, no, and it was, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I actually, I, I've actually forgotten how anti DD the indie game market was, and then when we got our first reaction yeah. to the five E thing. I was like, oh, you dummy. Of course people are, you know, because that was me. I was like that for years, yeah. right? You know, like I, I, I was kicked out of my first gaming group because I wanted to do storytelling. And <laughs> I lost all my friends. It's like, it's almost as if like you're in uh, Stranger Things. And instead of, instead of your friends rescuing you from the upside down, they just left there and went gaming on their own, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. And, yeah. and it's all because it was only because I wanted to do storytelling and they wanted to do dungeons, you know? Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing is a lot of people lose more of like way off the world building topic, but a lot of folks I think have a myopic lock. Like I introduced uh, finder and uh, Santa to dungeon world because I told them my pitch was is like, look, it's a cool game. It's fun, but it's to me, it's the best of both worlds is we can dungeon crawl and you're going to murder things and you're going to have all the fun you want, but we're also going to have really cool stories and your, how you design your character is going to help facilitate that. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you know, so I think if more people kind of, and you know, in, in general, we're willing to reach out like that. Yeah. Power by the apocalypse around. games are great. Uh, my, my only problem with any of those games is that some people have a really hard time understanding moves. Yes. You know? Yes. Not like, well described in any of them. It's just an impossible barrier yeah. for like a third of the gamers. It's like <laughs> it's like it's an impossible barrier. So like, I, I really considered pulling that stuff in, and then I was like, no, I can't. It's tough because a lot of people think, well, this is the only thing I can do, and it's like, no, 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 no. What do you want to do? And we can help facilitate that. The moves are sort of yeah. guidelines, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. I, so Santa gave me the same uh, the same reaction recently. Uh, I told him I'm looking at taking. Uh, what was it? I, oh, I told him I, I told the guys that I 
I think I have a way of taking Task Force Raven, which is a game I'm working on, where it's special forces fight the occult. Um, just straight straight fights with special forces. There's no containing none, none of that thing. You're, it's basically Delta Force versus uh, Strahd von Zarovich. You know, no resupplies and who's oh. the better man. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> I told him I, have, I think I figured out in my head mechanically how to incorporate it into 5th edition because, yeah, you're right. I think 5th edition has a real bad rap, but I – you know, again, I think that's more of a player base than a design base. And if you just stretch outside the box and be like, oh, shit, there's some cool mechanics in here that we can use and tweak and add to. And yeah, I think it can be almost anything can be done. Yeah, I, I honestly think that people who don't play D&D see our rule system and read it. They're going to be like, oh, my God, I may just want to play a D20 game. Nice. <laughs> there's nice. nothing bad about D20. It's just a dice convention. Right, any dice convention can work, right? Yeah. Although yeah. you're taking a D6 and subtracting a D6 from it, or yeah. you're rolling a D10s or a handful of D6s, whatever you're doing, they all can work. Yeah, I mean, a D20 yeah. is a flat D100 cut and cut by five. That's all it yeah, is. Yeah, you know, and pet, and Pendragon <laughs> through Pendragon through rolling D20 could be a great system, right? Yeah. And so I took a huge amount of uh, inspiration from Pendragon because. Plus, Pendragon took the D20 and made it cool. And and also, it kept all the different weird dice. And let's face it, one of the cool things about tabletop role-playing is that we have weird dice. So, yeah, exactly. I, in fact, I think back in my life, I was like, why did I hate weird dice? Weird <laughs> dice is one of the cool things we have going oh, on, I, right? I am totally a dice goblin. I have tons of weird dice with weird colors. <laughs> yeah. and I love them all. And I love to roll them in see them making click to clack to click to clack to. and <laughs> uh, another thing sorry no go uh, ahead sorry uh i actually had a discussion uh some months ago in a brazilian rpg group where uh the people was talking uh, a lot of people couldn't even see how there can be mechanics that improve ro role playing you know how can you have role playing with mechanics as well and we designed several mechanics uh, to improve role-playing, to make the, the group work as a co cohesive force, you know? Not just like a, a bunch of randos that uh, decided to go uh, together inside a jungle. Yeah. And I, I believe that's, that is one of the strongest points of our system. Nice. Well. Yeah, one thing I was uh, going to say is I feel like dice are almost a rite of passage when it comes to any tabletop person, like anyone who's getting into gaming. Like I got a text actually this morning because uh, I'm, I'm running a group with a bunch of new people and it was just like, so uh, me and my girlfriend, we actually went down to uh, the went to a store and she picked out her first set of dice. She was super excited. I think she's hooked. And I was like. That's, that's awesome. where it always that's always where it starts is people i don't know what it is but people love buying dice yeah and i so i feel so stupid that all these games are designed that use all the <laughs> dice like, like I, I was missing out on a crucial technique of like you know uh persuading someone to join your cult you know like if, yeah. if you're starting yeah. a cult and you leave out a you know, a key, you know, multi-level marketing technique or mind control technique, you're a dumb cult leader. So I, I feel like I'm a, <laughs> kind of a dumb cult leader, you know? We, we forgot not, to not that I'm actually starting a cult, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, a role-playing game design is 
there's, there's similarities, let's say, you know? Yeah, you're, sure. You're, you know, you're definitely trying to get people to enter your world, you know? Yeah. And in, in a way, I think you kind of did create a little bit of a cult with Vampire the Masquerade. Like, if you which, think which about was, it, I was technically actively avoiding because in college, I had lots of friends say to me, Mark, you need to start a cult and I will, your, <laughs> I will join because I want to get laid. And I'm like, if I started a cult, what? first of all, it wouldn't be about getting laid. But, but secondly, <laughs> the last thing I want to do is start a cult. No, 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 Mark. Please start a call. And I'm like, no, oh, no man. I don't want to. And then it's funny. I, I did Vampire, and not only was it kind of a cult, but but people were having sex. So, but uh, <laughs> just, mean, just not me. Off. Just not me. I, n- I never actually uh, uh, dated anyone who was into Vampire. I felt it was wrong, um, but but uh, evidently everyone else did. <laughs> so you were like predestined to start a cult. <laughs> I, you know, my, my dad was a minister, so wow. I think I had wow. like a you know a certain ability to be evangel evangelistic. And, and technically, you use three names, so I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's hilarious. So I have a question for Rocky. On the new game uh, that you guys are doing. So, what's the name of the new game? I'm sorry, before I forget. Badlander. This. Say it again. Badlander. 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 There we go. We got it out yeah, loud for yeah, a yeah. A Badlander, a Fury of of uh, Thorns. It's okay. Badlanders are basically um, scouts and sort of ranger special Explorers. forces who work for the crown. And right. uh, so, there's a so you're not just adventurers loose. You actually have a, a certain role, but your role is that of, you know, uh, Texas Ranger types. Ooh. Very cool. Very cool. So, so, Rocky, when you're looking at the mechanical side of the house, uh, and, and so mechanics play into world building, but and I think they, it plays into it different ways for different designers. Uh, a lot of mm-hmm. folks will go straight mechanics first and then make the make the setting fit around the mechanics. Uh, and sometimes it's a parallel development, and sometimes it's no. I want this. This is my. This is the vision I have for a setting. Now let's get mechanics to to to, to function in that that regard. So what what approach do you did you take, and what approach do you prefer? Oh, we. So first of all, my main inspiration when trying to see mechanics in game is Dark Souls, in the sense that they made a way of. Uh, Utilizing the mechanics along with the lore, they they sealed them together in a way that was beautiful, and I try to do that as well. So we try to do the mechanics alongside the lore. So we have several mechanics that work lore-wise as well inside the world. For example, uh, our uh, Hank system that was basically our advancement the leveling system. When people say they're Hank, they have a real Hank inside their guild that is tired, and they have adept levels and master levels as well. So when they say they are like uh, Avanti, uh, master rank Avanti 10, that is something that the, the people, the NPCs, the extras, as we call them, they understand as well. It's not something for table talk, for the players alone. And we have other systems like the Crux, for example, 
that they it's made uh, basically to make the combats a little shorter because we saw that the, uh, in D and D one of the main problems is the combats take like three hours with fighters having eight attacks in a turn <laughs> and the monk having ten or more and so on and so forth <laughs> and. <laughs> The crux basically is a meter of how well of your morale inside the battle. So if you are low in morale, you try to flee. You see that the battle is not going in your side. So you, you won't go all the way until everybody is dead, for example. There is uh, uh, a point where that is uh, needed, of course, but not for every fight. You're not uh, putting your life in every fight you're going for. If, if you're fighting against uh, a group of bandits, for example, uh, most of the bandits won't go all the way until uh, they're dead. They will plead for their lives before the combat is ended. You know? So we, we made several mechanics that illustrate that. For example, you receive full XP even if you defeat by not killing uh, inside the combat. So it's not like D&D so that you can get only full experience if you actually kill the creature or kill the, the extra. And So this is Crux Dice. You have these yeah. oversized D6. Oh. Each side in the combat has them. And, and then exactly. you basically, uh, if, you get, uh, if you get your dice, your Crux Dice up to six and then above six, boom, they have to make a morale roll or they'll run away. Oh, it's very cool. It's it's yeah, like um, it's like it sounds like you, it's like a very cool new school approach to a very old school tool. Exactly, you know? like exactly. we're doing D and D in an indie game way, yeah. and we're doing it beautifully. Like I'm really proud of it. Like like in all those things, like um, diegetic gaming for me is a really important idea. You know, diegetic. And movies is like a Tarantino thing where, you know, he's he's not just having a, a song play. Someone turns the radio on, the song comes on, and the characters in the movie are listening to the song as well as the audience, right? Yeah. That's diegetic. And, and, and I really believe in this concept because when, when like, for instance, if you have in D&D, you have class and level, right? And then people go so – I've noticed – when I was designing this game, people go so out of their way to not have their character go, well, I'm a fighter class. <laughs> of course, your character wouldn't say that. It's a board game terms. Right. Of course, you wouldn't say that. So, which is why in this game, you know, you're a member of the Dusk Watch Guild, and your, your rank is your Adept Rank 5. And then when you get to Master, that's another 10 ranks. And that's master ranks one to ten. So you have a depth one to ten. You have master one to ten, and together that equals what? Oh, levels one through twenty. Yeah, no, that's so slick. that way you can, exactly. you can talk about this stuff, and, and, and we're taking these rules and making them work. But anyone who's familiar with D and D will instantly know how to play. You know, they'll, no. they'll, they won't be freaked out. That's very cool too. Sorry, I'm just, Sand and them know me. I, I just I love to talk about this, especially design principles. It really with something like that. That's a good tool because if when you watch a lot of actual plays or even listen to groups game at like conventions, there's a lot of um, this will sound negative. It's not hyper negative, but there's a lot of mother may eyes instead of you know 
uh, oh, I move over to the door and begin to open it. Right. It's more of uh, I'm a, can I oh, can I open that door? Can I pick that lock? And it sounds like a system like this and some of the things that Rocky was describing, it really helps obviate that situation to where now it's more of a conversation at the table, like you said, and you, you understand from your character what they're about and what they're doing. And so now you have you do have a, a, a mechanized narrative. Yeah, but it's yeah. you, it, it's very cool. I, I like the idea. Yeah, it's, it's all neat. the modern stuff's in there. The whole fail forward yeah. is in there. The nice. whole push your luck is in there. You know, yeah. there's a bunch of board game techniques. Like we have zones instead of counting it. So you like every, yes. you need, just like you need uh, dice. You need miniatures, right? People love yeah. miniatures. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. have miniatures, but uh, but unlike these finicky boards <laughs> with like squares. We have zones, like you have in a board game, like your character's in the zone. And then if your character's touching another character's base, that means you're in conflict, and it costs you extra movement to break away. And then you move out of the zone. That's another movement point. And the third movement point takes you to the next zone. So so we, ha- we have a very simple system. Um, so you're still using minis, but but it's not going to, like, you know, you're not going to have two-hour combats. Right. You know, yeah, no, it, it, no one really wants to our they think they want to our company yeah they yeah. really don't want to exactly and, and that kind of system i use that similar design principle in some of the indie games i do because it's like look man if we do this all it's going to do is as soon as the dolls hit the table it turns into a chess game you know it i know it we all know it and it's going to take forever <laughs> we're going to count and recount and up count and figure out spaces let's just all agree that you can move to this next five by seven index card that says library and all the things yeah. that in a library are present and let's have a fight in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in my games, honestly, we barely use hit points, right? Nice. Like, like I don't really, you know, if I, if I say your character is dying, your character is dying, you know, it's, it's, it's and because, because it's, I'm going for a more storytelling feel. Yeah. You know, and, and okay, yeah, that was a, you rolled horrible and they rolled great. Okay, you're dying. You know, yeah, and that, yeah. that's just so much more dramatic than counting points. Now, yeah. I understand everyone else needs that. I don't. <laughs> so they think they need it. They think they need, need it until they showed a different way. <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and, I've never, and I've always designed games, like, they're not really for me, but I've always designed them so that you could play like. Like vampire, like people always complain the combat doesn't work. Yeah, because the the combat was designed to work. Like I play combat, which is you basically ignore it. Okay, Uh, you know, you you basically just make a couple rolls, and someone's losing, someone's winning. But but in this case, I'm so glad we do have these crux dice rules and. Yeah. And, and ways to win without having to, to play on forever, you know? Actually, we also have another interest mechanic in, in ways of adding storytelling to combat. And that's the in, initiative, because uh, we don't roll for initiative anymore. You choose your initiative. There you go. And yeah, at all at the same time, everyone at the same time chooses. So it's not, exactly. it's not a time sink. So oh, it's both cool. storytelling and tactical at the same time. Nice. That's really cool. So here's a question. I, I, I know we haven't even, it's 30 minutes. We still haven't touched the topic, <laughs> but I'm honestly more curious about sorry, what's sorry. this stuff right now. Um, so you're saying about with the battle map and all that, how it's more like zones and connecting. Are you doing something like um, 
are you also adding in like things like tags or whatever to the certain zones so that people can be like, oh, this shit's on fire or, you know, like yes. this one has a lot of cover. Like, Yeah, conditions. Yeah. We have conditions. That's we have awesome. conditions and we have like something like uh, difficult terrain. And the terrain can be difficult, uh, can be turned difficult. We have actually some creatures that have this ability. So we have, uh, I also designed the, the monsters and the stat blocks. And I have a favorite that's the chlorosaur. That's basically a tyrannosaur uh, uh, shaped plant. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it can like uh, grow several plants and roots around it and make all the terrain around it difficult to traverse. So the terrain can change at the end time of the battle as well. That's, that's uh, cool. Yeah, very nice. And we have several ways of uh, uh, rules for traversing the terrain if this is difficult, if just a part of it is difficult, and this kind of thing as well. No, that's awesome. I've 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 played like whenever like I with my group or whatnot, I kind of did something similar with the terrain and the maps and all that. I think it's just a genius idea that I honestly, I think it, most people should ditch like the grid combat to go to something like that. Cause I almost find it's, uh, yeah. it's even more engaging because people aren't worried about, Oh, I move one inch to yeah, the, move there's one no doubt in my mind that grid combat is like, <laughs> I actually studied people playing D and D to figure out what the time sinks were. And I was actually timing with a stopwatch, and and I was like really, really studying it. And it was yeah. like the grid is such a time sink. Yeah, there's constantly mm -hmm. fights over what this means and what you can do and what you can and blah 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 blah. Can I move and, through that? Square that was that was a key thing to get rid of the the, the squares. No, that's totally smart. So, did yeah. you guys begin the well? So the world building with this game, it, did you begin at a I guess at a at a local level and branch out because I know you see we talked about having the the parallel. Well, this design. world began as my first D and D world actually. Ah, okay, Ooh. okay, fourteen. Uh, you know, like like there are things in this world, like a world surrounded by the storm, this raging tempest that circles the world, and you, you it cuts you off from all the other realms, and this is you know the multiverse doesn't exist because you're cut off and. So anyway, um, and then in my world, even back then, you could come through from Earth, from Earth, basically, mm -hmm. right? So because because I always loved Narnia because I had that yeah the, the two worlds thing yeah and so yeah so basically this is like just directly descended from the first world I ever designed. I mean, it's very much changed and 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 evolved and and lots of people worked on it, but. But our goal is is that this will be the first sort of multi-creator world. Like at this point, it's no longer me. We have lots of people designing stuff, and and I think it's going to be the most comprehensive, sensical, detailed fictional world ever invented within a couple years from now. Nice. I mean, it's already pretty close. It's really, I mean, we have so many people working on it, and so much detail and. Uh, it's 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 something else. I mean, but but definitely within five years we're going to be the most detailed fictional world ever. And I know that sounds like bravado, but no, no. I mean, look what Ed Greenwood did with Forgotten Realms. We we, we have yeah. a huge amount of material, and it all fits together. It's not just latched on. Everything like we've been working on this for years together now. You know, 
like Rocky, how many years have you been working on this crap? Uh, <laughs> like five years, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. So give or take. Yeah, people don't understand like how long we've been doing this. We've been yes. doing this a long time. And people have been in there from the beginning, like we've been waiting. And so this is this this Kickstarter is a big deal for us, you know. Nice. Um, like hopefully we can make fifty k. Like I'm praying. I'm not going to make any money from it. I don't want any money from it. I want everyone who worked on it to get paid. Um, but yeah. but 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 really, it's just the opportunity to grow this world and have it expand. That's what is so exciting for me. It's like. Like please, yep. you know, let this <laughs> <laughs> let it live. Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of a it's a lost lives of cool world, man. It's just like a it's not it's only a awesome curse, but it's a, it's a it's a kind of a purgatory, uh, and uh, you know, it's a world in which your moat, your soul, gets reborn again and again and again. You can have dreams and memories of not only your different lives in the world, but of your lives back on Earth. And you can dream about the gods, and, and so I think I think it's gonna it's it's hard to explain it, um, but I, I think it's a world that's gonna be you know uh, a very unique fantasy world for people. It's and not your normal thing. That that's awesome because like uh, even like we've had this conversation amongst ourselves a few times about how it almost seems like if you go fantasy, everyone when they're building their world for fantasy, they always tend to go more to the Tolkien side of it and yeah. kind of ignore any other kind of options. Yeah, no, that's why we went Renaissance. We're Renaissance, oh, you know, cool. yeah. but, but yet we still have Knights in Shining Armor because we have these Dwimmer. Like I said, an idea I stole from my game, Ars Magica, is that we have these different magical auras that have different effects. And so if you're in the Sacra aura, which is the, the church's aura, like that, that means gunpowder doesn't work. Oh. So each aura has different rules and laws, depending on which aura is prevalent where you're at, different techniques and combat and powers and whatever you have, some will work better, some will work worse. And oh, so yeah. it creates this texture to the world. And that lets us have Renaissance and fantasy, you know, knights in armor fantasy in the same world at the same time. Yeah, without being weird about it. Yeah. Without yeah, being exactly. weird. It, it, yeah, while you're saying the musketeer thing, I was actually just looking at the on your website that one poster you have the I want you to be a bad lender and pointing at yeah. it. It's like that, that's, that's awesome. I love that. Oh, thank you. I love that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. The artist for that is Soso. He's a kid I've known here in Georgia since he's a little kid. And uh, this is Georgia, Tbilisi, Georgia other side of the world from America. Yeah. And uh, I remember one day I walk in his house and, and he's, he just got his Christmas present was the keyboard. He's taught himself jazz piano in the two weeks since I had seen him at Christmas. Oh, shit. So, so anyway, that's, that's one of those cool things you get designing games is I got him to do that. Some of the, some art for us. And so mm. there's a kid I watched grow up doing art for my world. Like it doesn't honestly, it doesn't get cooler than that. Yeah, it's that's awesome. awesome. Uh, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, out of curiosity, like, because we've talked a lot about the Badlands part of it, I'm kind of wondering, like, what's the civilization, or like, that is kind of built, I guess, to almost like keep it out. What's that uh, place like? Uh, well, I mean, um, the Lost Lorne is, uh, or as it's known as Lorne. 
Uh, they call it Lorne, but um, it's it's basically um, there's these waves of, of invasions from Earth, and most of them happened thousands of years ago. And the people who came in each wave became a different birthright, and each was changed by the uncanny, by the Dwimmer, in different ways. And so you have the most ancient people are called Horn folk, and they sort of you know are furtive and live in the woods, and they have horns. Mm-hmm. And then you have these other different birthrights that come out. And the latest, and they're all called Metalborn because their skin is slightly metallic. And the most recent people to come are called the Pureborn. Oh, you're, you're getting the picture here? Yeah. And so it's, it's basically talking about colonialism. But yeah. instead of it being um, just, you know, white people... You know, and let's face it, colonialism happened. You know, Japanese had colonialism, right? Everybody does the things. Everyone does, the <laughs> yeah. right? It's it's a human thing. It's yeah. Not, it, we we can't just target one people and say they're evil. That's not, that's an evil thing to do. Don't yep. do that. Even um, if you're that people, if you're saying no, no, it's my people. I can call my own people evil. No, just don't do that. Exactly. We're all human. We're all flawed. Anyway. Exactly, and unlike D and D, where you have like humans and demi humans, all uh, everborn as we call them, all are human. Uh, the the horned folk are human. Uh, the metal born are human. The poor born are human. There's no differentiation okay. about that. So, I mean, I don't know how much you guys want to get into this. So, did they get their you know, nomenclature because of gear they were wearing and brought or attitudes or. Well, remember in Lost Lorn, everyone gets born again and again and again. Ah, so okay. Ah, I got you. Ever born because you're born, your moat, your soul is born again and again. Okay. And everyone has these rituals. Every clan, you know, tries to do everything they can that when someone dies in their clan, they try to get them re- reborn in the same clan. Right, like you yeah. want, like, and then when you die, you're really hoping, and you pay the priest or the shaman or whoever to, hey, make sure I come back in my own clan. I don't want to be born. I don't want to be over with those kinds of people. They're fucking fucked up. I don't want to be reborn over there. No, 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 no. no. No, I man, I, I we we still got time to, to 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 talk about this. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. Like this, you two have, and whatever team you have. You have essentially, you are telling me you have made a version of a setting slash system that makes my heart feel the way it feels when I read like Legend of the Five Rings, with that deep lore in the world setting. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's something I, I relate to more than like, I don't really want to play Bushido Code and all that. You know, it, it's, it's like what are you guys are telling us right now is just amazing because it's like oh i'm, I'm all in on this oh, thank you. this is I crazy i'm right really now. glad it comes yeah. across yeah i'm already plotting a campaign i'm making notes in my ipad <laughs> <laughs> honestly yeah i was like listening to the, like you guys talk and i was just like yeah i'm definitely back in this one 100 percent. and like i'm yeah i'm getting like inspired like uh yeah almost like feelings of like different styles of games but in a really nice meld, like you mentioned earlier, uh, Rocky about the about Dark Souls, and I know although this is yeah. nothing like Dark Souls, I can see how this could grab a crowd that likes those styles of games. Or, and it it just it sounds to be honestly so goddamn fun, 
Uh, yeah. I'm not trying. I'm, I'm not just trying to butter you guys up. I'm just like this. No, no, I, I can. I, I know you're not. And yeah. and honestly, like you made my day. Like yes, I, my you know, I, I get so anxious when a Kickstarter approaches and I get or a game release approaches, and I get so worried. And now tonight, I will sleep better. <laughs> At least a few people are like, yeah, no, I get it. And yeah. I think it's going to be good. It has this sweet spot where, and these two know me really well, I really just nerd out hard when you can see mechanics meld as smoothly as possible with a narrative style. And it's just mm. like, oh, man, I am really looking forward to, to getting my hands on this and giving it a whirl and running some, like, a micro campaign, if nothing else. Man. Yeah. I, I think we have some really innovative stuff. Like, yeah. we even have a... a your your fury is the name of your team of thorns. Your a thorn is a nickname for a badlander because they each carry these main gauche daggers that are their oh, symbol of their sure, of their sure. things that are called their nickname thorns. So fury is the name of a of a team of of badlanders, and so we actually have a fury sheet which the game master, the tail spinner as we call it, uh, keeps, and you sort of get to advance as a team and develop and have reputations and contacts and all that kind of stuff, which harkens back to something I did with Ars Magica, which is another thing I always was like, why haven't people in gaming copied this? Like having a covenant, having a home base, having having a character sheet, like this is like such a good idea and like no one's ever copied that. So exactly. I'm copying myself, man. I'm doing it. Like no, we're doing it for every one of our games coming out. And we have seven games coming, you know? Man. But each one of them is having a, a team character sheet. Well, it's it's funny that you said that because even I recently I've been trying to like I've been looking into kind of unique settings, different styles, gameplay and everything like that. And one of the things I wanted like ha- like the idea of, of was ha- almost have like having houses and having like you know it's your the group is a lot bigger than just like the you guys but it's still like this big foundation and i got was at the houses of the blooded and i was reading i was like oh this is cool but unlike the one that you're telling like that you're talking about right now where i'm getting more and more excited that one the more i read it the less excited i actually thought i don't want to be i don't want to sound mean but i was just like but in in this one, it's like I I'm loving what I'm hearing, and yeah. Well, it's all about execution, right? Like, exactly. It's like it's like Obi Wan. Like I got so excited with the TV show because they were doing. I thought the whole, it was genius having a side adventure with Leia and Obi Wan, and he that's how Leia knows him from before yeah. as a child. I thought, oh, that's such a genius idea. But then the way they executed it was so disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yep, and. You, and, you know, and, and so so I think it's so like you can't just have a great idea, you have to also execute it. Well it's and I, yeah. and I think for a game designer, that's why you need a team. A hundred percent to make sure to hold you to it, to have you know, and, and Rocky and I have had many disagreements, you know. <laughs> um, and, many. Many, many, many. <laughs> and, 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 and the key is to respect each other and to work it out. So that because there's many or different kinds of games by comics as well. But anyway, <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Right. <laughs> but but you want a system and you want it to work for everyone, whether the, the player is a gamer, a puzzle solver, a role player, 
mm-hmm. you know, a storyteller. Whatever, whatever the player is, everyone, they need to feel like they have something in this game they can do and feel good about. And well, so that's why team is so important. I, I've said this before, and I always thought, like, you know, innovation for innovation's sake is not usually is not always a good thing but when you have innovation in order to support a overarching idea that's when you'll see real magic happening yeah and, yeah especially if you focus on execution exactly yeah. and mo- let's face it most people fail in execution absolutely right? yeah it's tough especially when, i think a lot yeah. of people probably get married Same. to these concepts you mm-hmm. know yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, talking about the, the fear sheet a little more. Uh, for example, like I said before, we try to make the the group as a character as well and not in a cohesive force and something like the 18 where you have each one has their roles and they know how to do it and they all support each other. So we have mechanics for the players that support each other and that also punish the players that go against the the goals of the group. Nice. You know? mm-hmm. Very nice. So <laughs> they have like they have to build their helpers and their reputation, and they can, for example, use their reputation to uh, get favors as well. So uh, we really try to make everything uh, focus on the group instead of the the single characters as we could look, look Rocky. How dare you? It's what my character would do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Try <laughs> the dreaded words. <laughs> now that we brought back from, uh, our Smajka's troop style play as well, which yeah. I'm really happy nice. that, um, the idea that, that you, you can actually switch, uh, Tail spinners, you can switch game masters, and then you can have someone. So, for instance, Rocky is our uh, rules master of our company, but like, like, why does the game master at the table have to be the rules master? Why can't one of the players be the one who looks up all the rules and helps out? See, it's not just me. <laughs> you know, like, like I, I think the person running the game and who we call a tail spinner. And by the way, a tail spinner of all the words I've called. A game master, that's my favorite. Like, uh, <laughs> like uh, in our in vampire, we called it storyteller, and Ars Magica, uh, we call it. Uh, oh, what do we call it? Um, I should know this too. Jesus, gee, I can't remember. I, I think it's stories. Uh, something I can't remember anyway. Oh, just, uh, I small uh, fun fact. In Brazil, we call the storyteller in Vampire the narrator. Ah, okay. Okay. And narrator is a good, but 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 also, but narrator indicates that you're narrating stuff, which is very one-sided, right? Yeah. Game master. Okay, I hate ma- master. What? No, <laughs> no, you know, you know, like master originally just meant someone who is very skilled, yeah. right? But but in modern English, it means you know has the SMR yeah. kind of quality to it. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't, I don't think that's very conducive to what we're going for, you know. But tail spinner is perfect, and you know, and I know this is very silly, but I love it because it's basically clear that they're the one who gets to spin the tail, but they're not telling the tail. They're not the storyteller, you know. They're not the yeah. master, but but they're there to help the whole group have a, a good time. Yeah, 
So was I, this is going to be very off topic, but we were talking about game master and what we call these things. And I was just thinking of uh, two situations I had in real life. And one I actually had on Twitter where the people asked me, why don't you guys just say dungeon master? Like you always <laughs> say, you always say game master or you'll always say something else. Are, are well, you, DM is, a, is actually a trademark. Yeah, right? yeah it's, it's, it's a litigious trademark. And, yeah. yeah, and the that's one thing I said. I was like, yeah, so, you know, said it. And I was like, can you get in trouble for saying it on a podcast for another system? And I'm like, I, I, but by the way, talk about SM sounding words. Yeah, right. Dungeon Master, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> like, no wonder they had a moral panic in the 80s about it. My kid is what? A Dungeon Master? Right. Yeah. <laughs> what are those kids doing down there? Yeah. First time I went to a Dungeon Master, I was really confused. I was expecting something else. Oh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> look at you. And then suddenly she said, you know, I'm not the master. I'm your mistress. Right. There you go. <laughs> and that's how I met my wife. No, she's going to listen to this and she's going to be like, what the, what the fuck <laughs> did you just say? And I'm going to be like, sorry, master. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm, kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. What's her name? What's her, uh, name? her name's Corey. Corey, he's kidding. I promise you. Really. <laughs> I uh, I don't promise, but again, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. No, she's she's used to jokes like that. I um I used to always say um, and I, I've said it a few times, and she'll always just kind of look at me, but she knows I'm kidding. And I always say, I was like, I always like I like my coffee like I like my women. Dark and bitter. My wife also thinks I'm not funny, but she does yeah. laugh occasionally, and that's why I married her. Yeah. That she tolerates my humor and laughs every once in a while. Oh, yeah, no. exactly. Or like my <laughs> wife's not a gamer, and so when I run things by her, she's just like, "Oh yeah, that sounds neat." It was like, "God, you have." God damn! Yeah, Thank you for listening. One hundred percent. And like, so the audience knows she is actually happy go lucky person i'm not forced or coerced and there's no gun to my head at this moment that you can see um, she no she's absolutely amazing uh and i love my wife very much this is not a script this is not a hostage situation i am not reading anything from a card switch clap gun noise Anyway, I just want to say something uh, real quick. Uh, today is Valentine's Day in Brazil, actually. Oh. And I just want to shout out that I love my wife, and I Aww. do actually love her. And she will listen to this later, and that also she's funnier than me. <laughs> and there's no man to my head. Click. Anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious. Oh, love it. That's cool. <laughs> Sorry, but uh, go on. No. <laughs> So Rocky, you brought this up, and I'm gonna. I want to ask the question, and y'all can avoid this, or you can, you know, answer to whatever whatever degree you want. You said that sometimes you had big disagreements on what I suppose are going to be either rules and or world building lore, right? What was your biggest disagreement in constructing the game, and who won? <laughs> Initiative. I won. Trial by combat. <laughs> 
I'm not kidding. And I won two trial by combat, by the way. I, just, uh, I literally killed the boss at the end of the combat. <laughs> I mean, so uh, obviously, I'm the game designer, so anything, yeah. any, anything I wanted to win, I won. And, uh, <laughs> uh, um, you know, like, like honestly, you always need to have one person who's the final say on a yeah. game, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not a democracy. Um, but 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 if, but if you want a great game, you should run it like a democracy as much as you can. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like because because you know there's such a variety of people doing it, yeah. and one of the beautiful things about games is that you know unlike a movie, um, you know where the the studio has so much say and can ruin films so easily just by jumping in right um you know like if you own the company as you know i always have done so for all the games i've written i own the company um you know you can you can have a veto power but you you should live your life and you should live the game design as if everyone involved has you know maybe not an equal say but that their say should be super important to you and if they're angry, you should fucking listen. And yeah. I think that's a mistake a lot of people make. Yep. They go, I'm the boss. Yeah. And you'll listen to me. And I'm right always. And this thing, you know, there's, one thing, there's one thing I know for sure. And that is I am not right all the time. You know? Yeah. I think I generally have a vision. And I'm often right. But I'm often not right. So... Uh, and actually, I wanted to point out that uh, working with Mark for these last years has been an awesome opportunity. He's an awesome person. I just want to point out there's no gun pointed to my head. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I really, I really like Mark. I consider him a, a good friend. And, and, I, and I will have to point out there is no laser pointer on his forehead at this time. <laughs> oh, no. Can I have a mirror, please? Anyway. <laughs> uh. but yeah, I mean, right? So, like, between your two, between the two cultures that you live in, I mean, I've seen the raid, and I'm very familiar with what goes on in Tbilisi. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh... Uh... Hey, uh Two months ago, thirty-five thousand Russians showed up. In yeah, the DC, yeah, jeez, right? it's, it's a, crazy yeah. times right now. Yeah, it's crazy times. Yeah, no doubt. Sorry, Rocky, what were you saying? <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, uh, like I said, I have my disagreements, Mark, but we always solve it in uh, adult way. Uh, by rolling dice in a combat. That I <laughs> you don't block and cancel him on Twitter? Are you saying you actually have a conversation? <laughs> oh, man. No. Yeah, I get it. It's it's. I bounce ideas off these these two all the time, and it's vice versa, and it's, it's that diverse thought of like, oh, hell, I never even thought about that. Shit, give me 10 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think that's actually the downfall of a lot of designers. They have a, they have, e there's ego trip is just yeah. such a big thing. And honestly, I can look at a game now and I read role playing games as like a, for me, it's like 
Like my dad used to read a romance novel a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for me, like reading role playing games is like my candy. Like I love it, right? I read everything. Oh, yeah. And I can tell instantly, like, oh, this designer has an ego trip, right? You know, I'm not going to say any names, but <coughs> Monty. <coughs> this, is, this is the greatest day of my life. And, and, and you can just tell that the guy has a fucking ego trip on every fucking page. And, if he, and he's actually a good designer if he yeah. just lower his ego, but he can't do it. No, it's impossible. His ego, like, you know, and. And I love Steve Jackson, but he has a similar problem. Yep. Oh, funny thing. They both named their companies after themselves. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hold on. Let me off to GoDaddy real fast. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> change company name. Change company yeah. No, it's it. But, yeah, you're not wrong. It's this weird thing. But, yeah, you, you got to let go. You got to have that metaphorical ego death when you're a game designer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kill your darlings. Like that's the that's the best advice for writers ever. Kill your darlings, yep. whoever you're most in love with. Figure out what that is and why you love it so much, and then kill at least one of them every day. You know, yeah. like like yeah. like just be ruthless because yeah. that's how you narrow things down and and be willing to change stuff. Like that's yeah. the advice I give people all the time when they're world building is that. What world builders make the mistake of all the time is they don't change their work. They don't go, oh, okay, I have this idea that I love so much. Well, wait, it's not fitting now. What am I going to do? Oh, I guess these new ideas won't fit. No! Right. The new ideas do fit. Just change your old idea and throw it out. Yeah. Like, yeah. you got to constantly be, like, like, at some point, of course, you have to stop. Yeah. Right? And you, you can't change everything. But... But for as long as possible, keep things flexible and be willing to throw out a core yeah. idea yeah. so that the new things can fit in because it's going to evolve. Yeah. You know, and that's a great world. And that's why, like, Harry Potter is such a great world. And that's yeah. why Lord of the Rings is such a great world or Game of Thrones is that all these creators are willing to throw away their ideas and they evolved it over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's the thing too is a lot of people think, and it, because of the, the 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 optic is, is all of those worlds and all those settings are drilled in, a hundred percent perfected, and everything there is to know about it is known about it. But if you look at like Middle Earth for Tolkien, there's only what probably ten percent that he actually ever detailed for you, and the rest is wide open game for people. But you get yeah. so locked around. It's same for Harry Potter. Um, so that's a question for you all on this project is is how how malleable is the setting? I mean, of course, it's, it's once once people get a book in their hand, they can do whatever the hell they want, you know, light on a fire or just say all these rules suck when we're playing regular D&D. But I mean, as intended, how malleable is that setting for characters who want to explore like stronghold building or things like that? Oh, I mean, for the for the players, it's incredibly malleable. Yeah. But but even for us, it's malleable. I'm not going to lie to you. I'll tell you that. One thing I'd say all the time is that we'll fix it in second edition. You know? <laughs> like, 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 honestly, like a game, a role playing game is an incredibly complex set of yeah. instructions. It's like a, it's like a program, right? And, and you're not going to get it right the first time. You're just yeah. not. You know, there's no way. And so, what you got to do is do as good a job as you can and make it as playable as you can. And don't fuck it up. Like, make it playable. Mm-hmm. But 
second edition, you're going to fix a lot. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way around it. And, you know, and, and, uh, I hope people still buy the first edition. Hopefully it'll be worth a lot of money someday. But, um, you know, vampire. We did a lot of, of good work on the first edition, and it is a, a very fine tuned, yeah. at least mechanically, and in terms of road building as well, actually. But you know, and that's you're never going to be. And there's a lot of folks I listen to, and they want to be. Well, they're not. They're, they're in the process of trying to, to design something, but they're so fixated on on this degree of perfection, and it's just. I always try to tell them, I was like, hey, you know. I'm not a famous designer, but I do have stuff. And I'm telling you, just kind of like you said, Mark, you're not going to get to 100%. You just can't. It's there's, impossible. Yeah, there's so much going yeah. on. There's just impossible. Like, yeah. do as good a job yeah. as you can. And plus, modern games are so bloated. Yes. Like, there are twice as many words as games were in the 90s. And it's crazy. <laughs> and we managed to do amazing things with 140-page rule books. You know, and now it's like, here's, yeah. <laughs> here's rule book is 780 pages. Enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, and it's great. Like, no one wants to read. No. That's why we, I have a rule in the company. None of our rule books will be over 288 pages. Yes. Smart. And, and in fact, Badlander has too many words. And I said, for Fang Night, which we're, we're, we're writing right now, the, the second game, the vampire game. Yeah. I'm like, I want 25% less words in nice. two books. Like, like, let's just cut our words down and so there's more room and it's more, it just feels more open, you know? And, and each of our Kickstarters, there's two books. There's like a, a player's handbook and a game master's God handbook. damn you, Mark. You know? <laughs> so, so it's like, actually, it is insane amount of pages if you count both books, right? Yeah. Uh, so I'm like bragging. We don't have, we only have 288 pages. Oh, but we have two books. Yeah, but the focus can be on what you need for the table, right? Like you said. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I have a, a, another question for you. For and this is both of you may have a different approach to this, or what you perceive Uh-oh. as a different approach. So there's always this this big debate, and I know which way I do it. I don't like the one style because it feels well. I'll let you. It feels sterile. So when you design the world or you are doing the rules and you're, you're going into your game design modes, do you prefer a technical style, like it's a technical manual, or do you want a more narrative style? More descriptive, I guess. Uh, for me, uh, yeah. um, the, the world is designed uh, not with game rules in mind, okay. but there are world rules in mind. Sure. Right, so these are not described in terms of game rules in any way, but they are rules. They're like the physics of the world, and so that's very important. That's written down, but is but but the idea of game rules comes way way later. Like I knew about the seven Dwimmer and how the effects they had, but there wasn't game rules until way late. And then we actually got to that chapter, and Rocky was like. Uh, Mark, there's nothing really done here. This is true. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, fuck. Okay, I'm, okay. And, Welcome yeah. to the suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I thought it was pretty good. No, no, it's not good. Okay. Sorry, actually, that, that was the conversation. Sorry. But yes, it, it was. But anyway... <laughs> uh, I actually um, I lean a little more towards the technical side at least uh, and 
that's because I think the the game mechanics are uh, based on the the laws of physics of the world. So they should work uh, along with the world. You know, uh, for example, we have the Dreamer exactly because we want we wanted this setting where you have the knights in shiny armor and you have pirates with uh, incredible cannons. And in the same setting, and that could work mechanically as well. You have a, a mechanics that explain why that happened. And you just are like, well, it's magic. No? But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and that the game rules should reflect very well the physics of the world. Exactly. And that's another mistake game designers make is they don't correlate the two. And you want the game rules to reflect that so that the players feel like the world's alive in their character sheet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so we've done that in a variety of ways. So I think that it will feel very integrated. So we we try to like uh, make the rules in a way that that's a lot of leeway for the table spinners to like ignore the rules and rule whatever he wants that he thinks in terms of story will be better. But at the same time, we have rules that explain why something happens the way it happens. So the table spinner can ignore knowing what could happen if he used that rule, you know? Uh, my my grandfather, at least, he had like the this idea that before you know how to do something wrong or something like your own way, you need to know what is the right or correct way. So we do thinking about that. You have rules if you want them, but you have rules to ignore as well. Yeah, sure. Well, one thing just uh, for the audience, uh, if they want to, um, if they want to find what you're currently working on, or want to reach out and ask some questions of their own, where can you be reached, and where can they look for uh, information? Uh, um, well, it's Badlander on Kickstarter. Just type that in, and you'll find it. You can sign up your email and leave it there. And we're um, the Kickstarter starts at like I believe ten o'clock Eastern Standard Time on the twenty first. Um, we also have lostlorngames.com, and you can go there, and uh, we're always looking for new members of our team. Um, so, yeah, if you want to join us, we're, we're, we're really digging it, and basically, you can work your way up. So, um, you know, obviously, working in gaming, you're never going to make a lot of money, more than likely, <laughs> but every once in a while, people do make a lot of money, right? Like yeah. most of the coast people sure did. Yep. yep. Um, yep. You know, uh, the all the people who worked with me over the years, a lot of them went on to start big companies and made a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so you know, uh, anyway, we see our, ourselves as being like a a place to teach people how to be gaming uh, professionals, and uh, our goal is to have the next generation of people being big in gaming to come out of our, you know. Um, yeah. Out of our system, so yeah, we're 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 if you're interested, we're really interested in people, especially from you know radical diversity, you know, like English as a second language, no problem. Yeah, uh, handicap, no problem. Uh, from a developing country, no problem. You know, like like uh, we're we're I'm I personally very interested in people who you know haven't normally had a way into the gaming industry, right? 
Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, by by personal experience, I tried to get in the RPG industry for some years now. And as soon as most people knew that English was my second language, uh, people just bailed out and never even uh, got back to me. Oh. So this Jeez, was a great opportunity. Yes, that's something that, that happens in the industry a lot. That's, that is, that's crazy. Yeah, most companies are interested in their bottom line, right? Yeah. And you know, we're, we have a different attitude, which has been always my attitude, which is if you make a great product, they will come, right? If you yes. build it, they will come. If you build and, it, they will come. And it's yeah. always worked before. I hope it works this time. Uh, we'll see. And we have a Facebook group where we talk about a lot about the, the game design. And we also have a Discord server that I will link for you later. If you want to lost share. Lost games. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, I'm going to put uh, all the links in the description of this episode. So appreciate if anyone, that. Oh, no, 100%. Uh, so if anyone is currently, you know, just looking at their phone, they can click on those links, have it right there. If you're driving, you know, wait, you know, don't be scared. Yeah, please don't <laughs> die. Yes, please, please don't die. Yeah. We don't want anyone to die. No. <laughs> yeah. That's a loss in sales. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keep, keep in mind, you're you're a potential customer. Like you must exactly. live. <laughs> we care about our potential customers. Please be yeah. alive as much as you can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Scott Finder, you got any final questions? Probably billions, but no, I'm I'm good. I'm good as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Well, I I really like to thank our guests, Mark and Roke. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I know we didn't get to the topic that uh, we, I suggested, but if you yes, ever want to, we did. <laughs> I meant like you know, we did a little I bit. I snuck yeah. it in. I snuck yeah. it in. Yeah. About, it was, you got to kill your darling. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Um, but if you guys Sorry. ever want to come back, please do. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I oh, know sure. I didn't really say much, but I was enjoying this conversation the whole time. We'll come back for Fang Night. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> like a year from now. And uh, yeah, that's that's going to be our big bang, I think, because of, you know, I'm known for vampires. So really? um, yeah. we started uh, with Bad Ladder to kind of get our feet, <laughs> but um, Fang Night's going to be the, you know, that's, that's hopefully our first uh, million dollar Kickstarter. We'll see, but we're we're building our way out. We have nice. three more before yeah. then. Uh, we're doing we're doing one Kickstarter every quarter. There so you go. We're, That's dope. We're we're in gear and we're ready to go. We're ready to play ball. I nice. did have actually one more question. Oh my god! Yeah. Because <laughs> well, I was looking at this and like you know Fang Night, Bane Night. I I I get those ones. What is Veil Night? Ah, uh, um, the the. Uh, the Ringing Rocks, Ringing Rocks Vale is a mythical place in Lost Lord mythology where the people who have um, been reincarnated enough times where they're ready to climb Grandmother Oak. Mm-hmm. Grandmother Oak holds the world together. She's this giant tree. And the idea is if you climb Grandmother Oak, you can reach the star courts and join the Nova, the gods, and become a god yourself. So the Nova quest is the climate and ringing rocks Vale is this mythical place where you um, can begin your climb up grandmother Oak and climb the tree and become a God. So it's basically our God quest game. Oh, yeah, cool. That's actually and awesome. 
And we so it's have, kind of, uh, they're, they're basically wizards in a way, right? So yeah. it's kind of our mage game in a way, but not really. And we have some sort of lore way. implications in that uh, for some that tried to undergo this god quest and fail. And oh. it was really dark, just saying. Oh. Yeah, yeah. The, the, our bright is really, really bright and wonderful and joyous, and our dark... Because of that brightness, we can go super, super dark. Maybe too dark for some people, but not too dark for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I feel you on that. No, I dig. I dig the super dark as long as yeah. there's some brightness as well. You right. know. Yeah. Actually, one I'm of the dark. I don't like it. Yeah. One of the things that I wear as a badge of honor is that once Mark said that I had the most disgusting creativity that he saw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, I've, I I love dark games too, but I find um, I. I try and run that, and it turns more into Monty Python. I just I can't be serious for more than five minutes. Yeah, yeah. You need you need you can't be unrelenting. Unrelenting is, yeah. uh, you know, like even movies that do that are hard. And, and honestly, there's no TV show that has unrelenting dark, right? Mm-hmm. You yeah. can't do a ten episode season of unrelenting dark. Yeah. You no always need some it. kind of break. No one will watch it. Yes, yeah, so you need to have the the comic relief to break the tension. So you can build it up again later. You can't keep the audience at the full tension all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Storytelling about rising and falling, uh, intensity, action, and drama. Everything needs to rise and fall. And so, like, unrelenting anything doesn't work. Nope. Exactly. And uh, just a little fun fact as well that I just remember about the world building, since it's the, the name of the episode. Uh, we have our bestiary. It's like made as a naturalist guidebook. There so you go. Like, we have uh, scientific names for the creatures, even oh, mechanical yeah. ones. It's literally like a naturalist going over and exploring and detailing the records in a guidebook. Oh, and by the way, when you kill um, monsters, what we call Skurgan, um, what you're doing is um, the, they don't have moats. They have shards, moats that have broken into pieces. So by killing the monster, the Skurgan, you're releasing their shard so they can find its way home to the other shards and reconstitute itself as a moat. Huh. So Ooh. you're not really just, you're not just killing a monster. You're allowing that shard of a moat to find its way home. Exactly. Nice. No, that sounds awesome. Um, but yeah, again, thank you guys so much for joining. I had a blast. I hope you guys have had fun. Um, yeah, you guys are a lot of fun. Oh, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. Uh, if uh, if you if anyone uh, liked this episode or have any questions, email me at rpsmartpeople at gmail.com. If you hated this episode, please send me a tweet on Twitter at rpsmartpeople. Um, and you know because we actually don't get enough criticism every time we release an episode scott says to me he's like we're going to get so much hate for this <laughs> we haven't gotten any hate really yet so i'm i'm a little bit surprised oh, sure. <laughs> oh, Rocky, we, we gotta send some uh, hate mail <laughs> please do please yeah. do um and also if you're an indie rpg designer please reach out uh 
because uh, I want to promote your work. I want to try and promote the people who yep. have small platforms, who have these passion projects, the one man teams. Pl- send me a 60 second audio clip just describing your game. S- give me some links and I'll also put it in the description of the episode because. Don't wait. Do it now. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> Do it. Yes. Absolutely. Do, it. Do not wait. Do it right now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just going through that commercial in my head now. Uh, but yeah, thanks a lot, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get more natural eventually. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, everyone. Have a good week, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. <laughs>